welcome to the Movie Heaven, Movie Hell podcast extra. And uh, I'm uh, joined by um, Clive Ashenden, who's uh, prepared to talk about his um, his filmmaking career. So, um, Clive, what was the thing that got you interested in filmmaking? <laughs> uh, let me cast my mind back several years. Um, it's interesting because growing up, uh, as I did in the UK, it was it was almost when I grew up and um, I loved going to the cinema, but it was it was always you know we would go and see sort of Disney films or Steven Spielberg films or the blockbusters of the day. And it always seemed like filmmaking was something that happened in America, uh, that, you know, the, the British filmmaking scene, I mean, people obviously that there were British films being made, but they just weren't on my radar. They weren't the films that I would go and watch. They weren't the films that my parents would take me to watch. So it always seemed like, like movies were great, but they were a different world. So that wasn't something that ever kind of really entered my consciousness as something that I might do. But, you know, I, I always loved watching movies, um, but uh, it, was, it wasn't it was really until much later that, that, that I sort of came to filmmaking. I mean, I, uh, I'd always sort of written short stories and uh, was really into uh, art, drawing, painting. And uh, it, so it wasn't until I went to art college that I found filmmaking. Because they, because uh, the art college I went to, Portsmouth College of Art, Design and Further Education, which is now been sort of subsumed into part of Portsmouth University, I, th- I believe, um, was uh, you know basically uh, someone had bought uh, had bought some VHS cameras because they felt like uh, like video was something they should be doing, but no one was really using them. That there was a kind of uh, a video film course that that was attached to the building but they, they weren't it wasn't a big um program and 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 basically even though they had a sort of tech department you know they weren't really they weren't really being used to be quite honest um and so it was one of those things where i just sort of i i i got into i got i became passionate about films about the same time that i started to get into filmmaking and you know through things like movie drone um the you know alex cox introduced you know bbc kind of cult film program I, my sort of movie horizon started to open up past the sort of steven spielberg produced you know george lucas oeuvre and sort of like suddenly there's all this wonderful world of films and i just became absolutely voracious and was making up for lost time and uh, this is, I guess, about the time that my sort of love of horror movies started because growing up, that was something that was absolutely forbidden. So suddenly all this forbidden fruit became available. So I, I just became obsessed with, with movies and was just watching them uh, all the time and, you know, became joining film societies, watching films a lot. So then when I found out that there was, that there was a, you know there was cameras on the that were available as part of this course i just you know it just was, was like oh you know i'll, I'll give that a go and i think it wasn't the first time i picked up a camera you know it was like um something at school and we never got to see what we shot so nothing ever came of it whereas this whereas this it was like okay uh hit you know i actually had a uh like a an, an assignment that i had to do you know and i remember the first film i ever shot was uh, a thing called a postcard of portsmouth <laughs> which is my hometown and uh i i, I had to make a visual uh a, a visual like you know non-narrative uh piece based you know which gave people an introduction to portsmouth so uh, i i went and basically shot a load of parts of different parts of Portsmouth and cut it together with, with, uh, with, with the music uh, Portsmouth Point by William uh, Walton. And, uh, you know, sort of that was my first thing I ever edited, first thing I ever shot. And I was kind of hooked after that. You know, I'm, I, you know I wouldn't ever want to show that film to anyone ever again, <laughs> if you understand what I mean. But, I do, but yeah. you know, but it was like, wow, I, I put those two shots together and it ha- and 
and you know one and it cuts on the beat and it's all really exciting and it was this whole it was it was this real sort of discovery of things and then after that I was you know even in the sort of group projects we were doing with with other people on the course you know I, I was sort of shooting some performance art pieces that we did in there um, and uh, I shot my first sort of narrative film I think, which was kind of like my the final thing I did at art college, which was a film called uh, Fugitive 1999, uh, which was set in the then futuristic year of 1999. Um, yes, and uh, which is which is a science fiction piece about hey a fugitive who'd have thunk it um, who who was uh, who was, it was in this sort of post apocalyptic uh, wasteland. And uh, he he was on the run from these sort of uh, let's call them Terminator characters, uh, but they, it was basically the sort of secret police or something like that. And 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 he had this sort of uh, uh, microfilm. Uh, there was this there was this whole MacGuffin element to it, and and the whole thing we shot POV. Oh, okay. Uh, so it was kind of an experiment there. So and I also shot it on on VHS on VHS tape, full size VHS. Right. Um, and I shot it with available light. Okay. So as you might, uh, so ava- no, sorry, available light and candle light. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, w- which w- which uh, was a lot less successful than it would be with, say, DSLRs now. Shall we say? Trust me, I, I I've done the candlelight thing myself with a, a DV camera, and that wasn't very <laughs> successful either. I think, yeah. You know, it was uh, it, it it was you know um, the actors in inverted commas in the film were were my fellow students, you know, uh, all of whom were amateurs, and you know it was the first thing I, I I I'd ever done in the narrative form, but you know it was it had a beginning, a middle, and an end, and um, you know we shot it guerrilla style in the Hillsy Lines forts, which, uh, which kind of uh, a, a row of old World War Two uh, sort of bunkers and stuff, which sort of line the the hills around Portsmouth. So, uh, and which are normally filled with uh, sort of tramps and uh, homeless people. Um, so, so uh, like uh, there weren't any in there, but there was lots of detritus of, of, to show that they'd been there, which obviously made everything yeah. look more, you know, uh, post-apocalyptic, if that's a word. Yes. Yeah. Um, authentic yes that's another <laughs> that's a better way of putting it um yeah so so i so i did that and i guess that was my entry into it and I, and after that I, I knew that that's what i wanted to uh, that's what i wanted to do and i was going to become a filmmaker i sort of realized this kind of too late to get up any kind of real good portfolio of work but i at least i had something so yeah hmm. so then i went on and was like yes i'm gonna you know be the next Sam Raimi, the next uh, Awesome Wells, the next, yeah, you know, there's a whole list of my heroes. I'm going to be all these people, you know. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, shock the world. So, what was, what would you call your first proper short film? Oh, so how much of my student work do I count in this? Um, well, what was the, what was the first thing you made after finishing um, college? Okay, my I think my first proper film, I, you know, inverted commas, was was actually one. It was probably my kind of graduation piece from college. I went to, I went to I did a film uh, film and media, HND, uh, at Farmer uh, College of Farmer College because they had like a proper TV department and they had the best kit and well they accepted me. So there we go. The, the piece that maybe that made me think, ah, you know what, I can do this. Uh, I I can actually have an effect on on people. You know, emotion, uh, sort of emotionally connect with people. I made a horror film called Dirt, and it's um it's sort of, and it basically it's about a ser- uh, it was about a serial killer that was obsessed with cleanliness. Oh my. <laughs> and and it and, and it was it was a properly seedy nasty piece i, I have to say because okay. uh, uh, you know his whole bit was cleanliness was next to godliness and ah. and, and the pe and the uh and his victims were unclean and therefore had to be killed so he wasn't a very nice man no 
So I gather so things like not washing your hands and stuff like that was uh, a trigger for the guy. Well, uh, I think just it, it like women were a trigger for the guy. He was a yeah, you know, okay. he's a total misogynist. He, he was had lots of problems, but he but he was absolutely okay. obsessive about bathing himself, about cleaning his, about washing his hands. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. and all these sort of and all these sort of ticks. Um, but it was it it sort of surprised me the reaction I got because you know I I, I edited this short. And uh, I actually, I lucked out, you know, I, I got a, a couple of sort of amateur stroke semi-pro actors who, who'd done a bit of theatre stuff. And I think I'm right in saying that. So uh, particularly the guy who played the psychopath, whose name was Bill Wallage, um, who he did a fantastic job, you know, and was very good about about the fact that I was just sort of, you know, learning and um the fact that you know we were use like we we're using knives that weren't properly stage bluntened so oh right you know it, 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 there there was there's a lot of moments i look back on in my early student films where 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 health and safety concerns that you know that there were some issues there um uh, thankfully i i learned from that and nobody got hurt you know i hasten to add so um but yeah you should always use properly blunt and nice when you're asking one actor to put them next to the other actor's throat. <laughs> yes. Now, no, uh, you know, uh, uh, you, you cheat the angle. So they're not actually, it's not like next to the skin or anything, but obviously, yeah, obviously, yeah, you know, yeah. one slip and then it could have gone all badly wrong. But, um, uh, and there's other stories I could tell about, about, you know, taking uh, replica firearms out in public, which probably not good to do. Um, no, no, no. Um, it, it, it's it's never been a good thing to do in the UK. Um, I think it's even a worse thing to do now. Um, yeah, you really have to let the police know that you're running around with guns. Yeah, and it's not the thing is, it, it, you know, in my in my defence, it wasn't something that I'd planned to do. It was because there's there's a certain often, you know guys involved in the production if you if you don't have a really strict armorer who's there locking everything up uh, you know yeah. they're like oh man guns and they just turn into big kids and they start f start <laughs> messing around with them and yeah and you have to sort of like and you know if you're driving the car you can't really sort of take guns out of people's hands anyway uh, that's a that's yes. a that's a, diff <laughs> that's a different film but uh so i, I made this film uh, and you know, the brief was to make a horror or a thriller and and I made a proper horror film. You know, it was like, you know, the, the, the effects work was a bit rough because I, I, you know, I was basically doing it myself and, and building things out of papier-mâché and, and making my own fake blood. Uh, and this was pre-internet or early internet today. So it's very difficult to find, you know, recipes yeah. for kind of how you make your own blood so i was just improvising with what i had to hand in my student cupboard so uh so so, so at certain point actors had like horrible con concoctions in their mouth made up with things like ketchup and ground down uh coffee and tabasco <laughs> sauce and it's just sort of oh, like really nasty yeah. stuff you know so uh yeah, I, I, the sort of thing you, you don't want in your eyes you don't want it in your mouth you don't want it you know anywhere near you really um yeah but you know it's sort of, it looks kind of bloody on camera so you know you, you do what you can <laughs> yeah yeah no i mean yeah i i think um i know myself i've i've put a few actors through you know some quite painful stuff but the, the thing is though uh it's amazing how some actors are real troopers that you know they won't even complain about this what you're doing or the sort of foul thing they've got to put in their mouth or anything. Yes, the, the actors are actors are brilliant, basically, and uh, and you know I, I've been I've been very lucky with the, with the people I've I've collaborated with. So and they've been very they very kindly not told me to just f off. They you know a, a lot of the time <laughs> yeah. when I've asked them to do uh, difficult uh, things. So yeah, but yeah, so I make this film uh, and then I show it to my class and. I got a real reaction, you know, uh, people were really shocked 
the teacher was horrified, which obviously I was really delighted by. You know, it's totally <laughs> people were really grossed out. They were, you know, and it, it's it was the first time. You know, I got I think I got a jump out of people. Um, oh, you nice. know, I, I got like kind of got into the story, but it, there, afterwards it was like you know. Oh, I just got kind of laid into it. It, it, it sort of reminded me of, of it was all the things I was reading in magazines, right? About my about my uh, horror film uh, heroes, about how they were condemned as being misogynistic for because they had all these, <laughs> and and obviously and and, yeah. I, and I was as well uh, because because uh, I I'd made this film. You know, he's not a sympathetic character at all. The the killer. He's you know we're, we're following the heroine, but. Uh, it's it, at the time I was it was very much in the kind of like horror film you know real horror ends badly ah right yes, so, so so it, it ended with this sort of really dark darkly ironic thing where the killer dies but but uh, but the uh, but the heroine ends up is is left like sort of locked in the boot of his car. Uh, and and then and it just ends with her sort of banging on there and calling for help, and then it cuts to black, you know. Mm. Um, yeah. So, but but the sort of reactions that sort of really encouraged me, and uh, <laughs> I, yeah, must, there must be something sick about me, uh, clearly. But uh, unfortunately, the sound recording on that film is is such that it's not really something I could put on online now. It's just. You know, I, I I had I had one, I had a, a, a thing where I, I showed it. At, um, I think it was Exploding Cinema, which is a okay. uh, kind of film club in London where I first moved to London. It was one of these clubs where it was very cliquey, and they clearly had their favourite filmmakers who showed their films there right. every month or every other month. Yeah. And so I got the worst slot. I got this this sort of, I think I was the last film on. Uh, by wow. that time, half the audience had left to get tubes and things and the other half were totally pissed um and at which point they put my film on you know and everything else has been kind of like happy and sort of like uh <laughs> like all like really these nice little comedies you know i'm not saying they were bad movies some of them were, were good some of them more experimental um and then they put my sort of really grimy gritty uh serial killer movie which because it was shot on vhs it actually sort of made it look like it gave it a really kind of seedy kind of like this is like a killer's home movie feel to it which oh, actually right. which really added yeah. to it and it's it's I, I made it before i saw texas chainsaw but it, you know having obviously watched texas chainsaw and loving it later i it was like i, I, I could see why people were going oh you must really love toby hooper kind of thing because hmm. it, 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 it had that sort of like you know you felt a bit grimy after watching it feel but the problem was that, that the sound wasn't good and yeah. their sound system made the constant background hum really really bad throughout uh, yeah it was a difficult experience because uh you know I, I you know there was a lot of pissed people booing me basically and uh, booing the film but and, and at the end, I'm thinking I'm going to get bottled. I'm going to get. I'm, going to, I'm not going to make it out of here because there was real hostile reactions here, and I wasn't. I wasn't yeah. sure whether they were. It was difficult to tell whether it was just the fact that it had this like this oppressive like buzz throughout, which is if you imagine a kind of like uh, uh, like a head stroke, uh, you know, Elephant Man soundtrack sort of cranked up to eleven, like underneath everything, sort of. <laughs> Uh, you know, it it did add to the unease of the film. I w in my defence, yeah. but it, it's you know, I, but it was there because that's what I I had to shoot on, and I had no control over it. Um, yeah, it's it's the on camera noise. I yeah. mean, I've I've seen many shorts like that, and I've you know I've heard it myself from stuff I've shot. Mm. Which, uh, I then decide, oh, silent film. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, very yeah. good idea. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so and I had this horrible experience, but at the end, just I was sort of, you know, sort of trying to slink out. Uh, this yeah. I got cornered by this uh, by this uh, goth girl who said, who basically said, "Oh, I thought that was absolutely brilliant," and just sort of raved about the film uh, to me, and that was really nice because I was just feeling really beaten down and like everyone hates me and hates my film. And, 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 and she came out and she was like, like no, like, don't listen to them. You know, it, I thought it was great. I really loved the ending. Um, and it was, it was nice, you know, especially after 
uh, the film having been sort of condemned as being this misogynistic piece i was a you know very young still pretty shy with the opposite sex kind of guy and then one and then this girl comes up to me and starts sort of uh, you know fanishly saying oh yeah loved it you know it was a really great horror film carry you know you got you got to make more so yeah so that was that was the sort of happy ending to that brilliant no 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 that's that's no that's good i mean are you been tempted to remake it i have and i haven't it's 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 kind of i feel like Having watched a lot more horror films since I since I wrote that, there's a lot of ground that's been done with a lot of other serial killer movies, um, and also it's a very raw film. It, it's it's a it's a film where I I, I basically filmed like the first draft. Because, oh, okay. If you see what I mean, just because there was such a pressure yeah. of time, and uh, what got cut got the only things that got cut got cut in the edits. You know, it's it's funny because some of the power comes from the fact I, di- I didn't censor myself, if you see what I mean. It, you know, okay. it's just properly nasty because because I just had an idea and just did it. And it's like, uh, maybe I should have thought about that a bit because it's just really <laughs> horrible. But, hey, you know, I don't know. I, 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 occasionally I thought about that, but usually, you know, you don't like to go back to things. Uh, no, it's true. I mean, I, I ask that question because um, people always come up to me and say um, – you know, have you ever thought about remaking Firepower, my first film? And, you know, similar to you, it was, you know, I shot it on Super 8, so it was really grainy and, you know, it gave it that sort of surveillance video sort of look to it. Uh, but that was sort of part of its charm is that it was like that. And also the fact is, um, yes, bringing it back and redoing it in a different format with different actors and stuff, still going to be the same story it probably wouldn't be as impactful i mean you know it's i just don't like sort of revisiting the past in some ways i'd like to to move forward yeah that's it i mean i mean you know at times i've considered taking some of my shorts and expanding them uh to feature length i i thought about that more with with say snatching time than i have with uh with with dirt but um uh because because i i think that's that you've got you know that more sort of characters i mean that was something which the way i shot that the the sort of the death so kind of saw like death games we only got really got glimpses of and they were very much for laughs but you could open it up and have the whole kind of you know basically almost play the game show out in real time have more contestants so you have more people to kill you know, I mean, you know, it's 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 one of those things that sort of almost writes itself, so it's tempting to do. But um, yeah, I don't know. You always tend to feel like you want to sort of to 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 do something fresh and new that feels, you know, right for you. Yeah. Well, no, you're mentioning uh, snatching time because uh, the the first time I heard about yourself was from uh, Stephen, who you were in a production company called. Um, sick puppy films yes with uh rob wickens so um tell me how that came together how the the three of you sort of be- came together for this to, i think it was to make um snatching time wasn't it yeah we made uh, we made snatching time uh for as part of the 48 hour film challenge uh, which was, I mean, there's a number of these things going around now, but this at the time it was like the only one, uh, at least the only one in the UK, and it was run by a guy called Johnny Oddball. And it, it sort of gradually had sort of uh, expanded and become sort of better known. And, and, they, and they had like good industry judges. And it was one of these things where if you could get to the final round where the industry people could see you, that it could possibly be something which would, help you and obviously you know winning competitions uh you know that's always good for profile and so on we all liked the idea of um of the challenge of it you know of and and we were all you know me and rob were working in post-production uh so we had access to certain kits that we could so we could we felt it was doable and uh you know and i'd i'd met sort of Stephen and he, and he was a you know he was a composer and was really fa- you know sort of obsessed with film and loved horror film so you know it just all seemed like a good match and it was just sort of it's one of these things where you need to get like your kind of 
cast and crew in place uh, ahead of time because the idea of 48-hour challenges, you had to make, you had to uh, write, shoot, and edit the film in uh, in 48 hours, you know, and, and it had, yeah. you know, the whole thing had to be, you know, finished and delivered within that 48-hour deadline. So, you know, not a lot of sleep. No, I, I've never done it myself because um, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of forcing a process like that, you know, within such a short amount of time. Because um, I remember editing uh, this girl's film for, I think it might have been for another 48 hour film challenge. I don't think it was for the Johnny Oddball one. But um, I, I remember there was this horrendous editing mistake in there where there was a shot of a kettle that went on for a minute. <laughs> But because she literally wanted the tape and was running out the door, it's because she had to get down to yeah. Brixton. From and I'm living up in Kingsbury, and oh man, you know, it's just like if we had the time. I know. I've I've had some horrific. Ex- I I I've done the 48 hour film challenge twice, and mm. both times I had uh, I, I had horrific experiences uh, associated <laughs> with it, but. Um, but with snatching time, it was one of those things where the, the you know eventually the end products worked out really well, and I think the only way to do it really is to not go in with with a fixed idea of something you want to do. You have to be completely fluid, and you have to not end up so it's all on one person's back. The more you can spread the load, the better. So it's you know initially we had a brainstorm where everyone like cast crew. Uh, like sort of threw in ideas and then we sort of and then me and Rob went off into a room and basically wrote it and then we shot it you know and we knew we had certain location locks uh, which is like the basement of this pub uh, obviously we had we had our cast already there so certain characters suggested themselves if you see what I mean so we were lucky enough to uh, uh, to get a, you know a, a somewhat of a name um, at least, did, at, yeah. at least in in, uh, in TV, it was especially to people of of my age group. Uh, we had uh, Hugo Myatt who played uh, Traegar, the Dungeon Master, on the TV show Nightmare, and who is a you know just a brilliant uh, character actor who's done loads and loads of theatre, both as a, as a director and an actor, and it, and he'd done lots of sort of character parts. Um, he, he, you know, he, he's gone on to do lots of bits and pieces in TV and film. Um, I mean, he was in Bernard Rose's snuff movie, uh, another horror piece. And, uh, but, you know, he's done lots of stuff. I know. I mean, he was unrecognisable in your film because I've never seen him without a beard before. Yes, that's that's so. the thing. He, he didn't have that. But, I mean, he's such a, he was yeah. such a trooper about it. And, you know, it was one of those things where I, I knew his partner, Jackie, uh, through through my work, I'd met her. She's she's post production supervisor, and uh, oh, okay. found out found out that that he was that he was a partner. And I was like, oh, do you think he'd be interested in doing this this uh, this short? You know, we don't have any, we won't have any money, but we'll you know feed him and and you know make sure he's travel sorted out. So, and you know, very kindly agreed to do it. So yeah, we had those things in place, and then yeah. And and we we got it done, but you know the the, the cut we we handed into the competition was wasn't anywhere near like director's cut. It was like okay, this this meets the criteria. It tells the story, but you know, and it had to be yeah, three minutes or under. And the director's cut, of, let's just say that the, the director's cut, which I subsequently went back and did, uh, is 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 a bit longer than that. I think it's five minutes. What was um left out of the initial cut then uh well they, they, it, it just had no real time to breathe which sort of really killed a lot of the comedy moments you know uh and all, all this uh, there, there was there was a lot of less of the sort of build up to the anthea moment you know um uh which is the sort of big punchline i guess of, of the piece um and also, I had this really bad experience again with with the with the exhibition of the film, where I, I'm not sure whether it was just because you know no one had slept when when we when we played the film out to tape, and there was some when we played the film out. There was some sort of problem, but 
when they exhibited it, every everyone else's film was was at the correct size, even though they were showing it at the BFI IMAX for some weird reason. And ours was like the sort of size of a postage stamp in the middle of the screen. Um, it, it was <laughs> God, it was yeah. like a horror. It was I was just like oh, this is like a nightmare. I mean, you know, the sound was there. You could just about squint and see what was going on. You know, uh, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry to laugh, but. Yeah, I, I I heard about that screening and I was just like, my, my heart went out to you because it's, uh, you know. You just kill, you kill yourself doing it. You got your cast yeah. and crew there, or at least most of the cast and crew, and everyone's really excited. And then they, then it's our, our turn and then it's like, what the fuck happened there, you know. And and you sort of think, well, no, did no one behind the scenes notice that, that, they, were, that they were encoding it this way? What the hell were they thinking? Because I don't know, I, it's... It can't have all been our fault. I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, this. I, yeah, I mean, I've I've heard lots of things about that the forty eight hour film challenge. I won't say them here, but I just, yeah, it 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 sounds quite possibly that was a fuck up on their end. Uh, just like, yeah, I'd say it's worth doing once, especially it's it's a good way to learn and to sort of like. Because often you can sort of really kind of um, obsess over the details of your film and like, oh, I need, want everything to just be right, and 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 if you're forced to do it, like, like okay, you have to come up with something and shoot it, and it, it's like a it's a good exercise. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And and, yeah. and I just wish it wasn't forty eight hours. I mean, a week. Give us a week. Yeah. <laughs> you know, give us a week challenge. I don't know. That's part. That's part of the. Th- uh, you know, at least initially, it uh, with these sort of challenges, you felt like it, it even the playing field, so that because you would get people from like like ad agencies and professional places entering, and I always thought that was like, well, why are you doing that? You know, uh, it's you know you, you sort of <laughs> that. What's the point of that? Yeah, because at the end of the day, um, they always tend to win the prizes for these things because, you know, they have everything to hand. Yeah, everything looks a bit slicker and so on. But if they're rushed, if they don't have time properly to develop the story, doesn't matter how good it looks, then they're gonna not going to win. So it, there was a certain amount of sort of, you know, it evened things up. And obviously to stop people cheating and filming stuff ahead of time, then you, you, know, you picked certain things out of the hat. You picked... Your subgenre of horror, in in our case, it was, and uh, you picked uh, uh, you picked the title of the film, and I think it was an object you had to include. So, yes, yeah, it's it's common fare for these things. It's usually, you know, I think in the sci-fi one they did a few years ago, you had to have like a, a liquid bottle or, or something like that. You you had to have a prop in there just to sort of, but I mean, still. Uh, apart from like the genre which is definitely you couldn't have that prepared in the but if you're doing like the sci-fi one you know you can get a shot of whatever the prop is in later you could already have shot it yeah i i mean i i don't know i don't know it always feels that it's a really uneven playing field you know it really does especially with with the the bigger companies yeah. well i was young i was younger and optimistic shall we say and uh, you know and just wanting to make films and you know i thought we had a really good team of people which we did and ultimately I, i'm I, I i you know i still think snatching time works as a nice little uh horror uh comic horror short and um uh, certainly in its director's cut form um, and not sort of in a little tiny thing. I mean, I did it, I did one more 48 hour film challenge and which resulted in by far the worst film I've ever made in my life. So, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so after that, I decided not to do any more. I, 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 I made a film called Twice Weekly, which is this uh, supernatural thriller. And that was one of those cases where. I, I, I took too much on my own back and some of the people I, that, you know, I would like to have worked with, I couldn't, Other, you know, I had some returning actors I worked with before and, you know, it should have been a better thing, but it, it's me trying to shoehorn what I'd been given in terms of the 48 hour film challenge stuff into a film I already sort of had in my head. Oh, and right. it, it just didn't work, you know. And the fact that I had this really great location that I was obsessed with using, basically, I didn't have anyone there 
you know, whereas I was co-writing with Rob on Stashing Time on twice weekly, I it was just me doing the writing, and I felt a real pressure to finish. And there was no one going, "What are you, what are you thinking? That's a terrible fucking idea." Which there should have been. There should have been someone. And even when I sort of, you know, none of the cast, bless them, sort of said, "That's rubbish, Clive. Why, are you, why, why we, you know, why would I say those words?" On the positive side, there, there was some nicely shot bits. There was not badly acted bits in it, but the script is horrible, and there just wasn't there wasn't enough time to properly sound design and mix it, which is which really hurt it. I saw that that one got properly projected, but it was just such, such a terrible movie. And Rob yeah. was sort of next to me, sort of you know being uh, supportive. And afterwards, he's you know I'm like oh that was you know and he's it, it was like thanks for being there, buddy. I'm so sorry it was such a crappy film, you know. Because you know it's it's depressing when you put a lot of work into something and you don't sleep, and then at the end of it, it's rubbish. But yeah. sometimes you you but you learn from these things, you know. Yeah. Well, look, I'm. I mean, I have one question that I've been dying to ask you about Snatching <laughs> Time for quite a while. And uh, why was it that you ended up playing Amphia? Was that was that planned, or was that the fact that you had to step in? Um, and you know, got bear in mind that we turned this that we only had a certain amount of cast and crew, yeah. And um, we were writing it, and then and and there was no sort of payoff, and it needed something. And then I had this idea that because we'd have this sort of like running joke about he's he has this character Anthea who's this glamorous assistant uh, to this psycho who's running this game show um i had this idea that that uh, well what if Anthea shows up and then uh, and and i and not jokingly as a throwaway i said oh he should be like a sort of like le- like a leather face character he should just be this hulking bloke in just like a uh, uh, you know in in a in a mask or whatever <laughs> and, and and i was the only hulking bloke like in the cast and crew who, who wasn't already doing you know that fitted yes. the, the thing so it was like i sort of uh, wrote myself into a corner where you know it was like well if you if you want this in 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 the film then you're gonna have to do it so yeah there we go and and, and anthea was born <laughs> yes and uh, absolute talking point of the film as well <laughs> <laughs> but um Let's let's tell the listeners where it played. It played at Fright Fest two thousand and six, um, in front of the film Broken, and um, he had a Mason Broken as opposed to one of the other horror films called Broken, and uh, yeah, it was. I mean, it was an, it was an early morning screening, but so there weren't. It wasn't a full cinema, but there were a lot of people there, and you know, people people laughed and jumped in the right places and you know i got a you know i got a really nice reaction from it you know someone i'd met at the festival there um uh, actually said uh, uh, a mutual friend of ours uh, christine sort of said uh, yeah. I, I i need i need to get your your autograph for, uh, now for before you're famous uh, so which is very sweet of her so no, it was just it was a great experience to sort of show the, my my film at Fright Fest and um, yeah, it, it sort of made it all worthwhile after after that initial sort of screening experience. So there was that payoff of of seeing it at Fright Fest and yeah. So now I've just got to make the feature and show that at Fright Fest. <laughs> when when did we meet? Because I I met you at um, Stephen's wedding in Portugal. Yes. And do you mind me telling this story? Because it was, because it's it was kind of a misunderstanding. We thought you were going to be somebody else. Uh, no, you don't. You could t- you could tell the story. I mean, I think maybe we should wrap this up soon. Uh, uh, this, okay. this chapter of my filmmaking life. Um, okay. uh, so, but I just people. say we, yeah. But we uh, we met at a wedding uh, in Portugal, and um, I was there with um, other people, uh, people that I'd known from the film industry as well. And sitting, and there, we had our names down, and there was an empty seat next to me, and it said Olive. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay. Stephen's trying to set me up with a girl, and then Clive turned up. I mean, I, I think I'd gone there at the time, but uh, you know, clearly not a girl. You know, so, yeah. No, no, but um, but yeah, that's how we met, and um, I know you sort of. Um, 
I tried to sort of, uh, you did ask me a couple of times to sort of help out on films. I think this was at the point when you were doing uh, the straight eight films. Yeah, I think so. Because uh, uh, I, I was helping Rob with his films and, and vice versa, and you know, that we were working on each other's stuff. And, uh, you know, uh, obviously, obviously, I'd seen some of your shorts, and, uh, you know, we were all friendly through Stephen and so on. And, yeah, but then it was sort of later that we'd go on and you'd, uh, you know, shoot and DOP a number of my, my films. Yes. Yeah. Which was uh, always great fun. You, you act as well. So how did, how did you decide to sort of start doing the acting? Well, as you know, Simon, often, uh, in the low budget world, uh, you, you, you know, you end up doing cameos and things because people drop out at the last minute and so on. Uh, so, and and as the director, you're the one not holding a bit of kit. So therefore, you you're the you're one of the people who can step in. So there was a bit of that, you know. Perhaps there was, the, you know, I, I'd done some acting as a teenager. Was you know w- went to drama classes and you know was sort of enjoying it for a while until until suddenly the sort of drama group that I was involved with became all about musicals and um, that wasn't really me. Uh, and I was very, I was very self-conscious and not, not very happy with my voice, uh, as a, as a singer, given that I, my voice was breaking and, uh, you know, it just, so I just, anyway, I moved away from it, uh, and got involved, got interested in other things. Um, but, um, I, I found that I got to a certain, it was actually on the making of snatching time when I decided that I need to get to sort of, I got into acting and it was because when I was, uh, when I was directing snatching time, I found I sort of hit a wall in terms of being able to communicate what I wanted to the actors. And it was, uh, you know, and Hugo, our lead actor, bless him a lot. uh, uh, Whereas a more, a less experienced actor would have just sort of nodded maybe at my rubbish direction and sort of said, "Mm, yeah. And then tried to figure out what the hell I was talking about. He just sort of, he took me to one side, at one point he said i'm sorry clive i don't understand what that means um that, that doesn't mean anything to me this thing that you've just said uh, uh you know so i went so i sort of i tried rephrasing it but i realized i just didn't have quite the same language because i didn't come from that background you know i was thinking very visually you know storyboarded i'd shot listed i knew i wanted his character to do this thing you know and i was very kind of result orientated in my direction in that early stage um you know not perhaps not always leaving room for the actors to bring their own thing to it and you know this is a very experienced actor he knows what he's doing and luckily we muddled our way through and i think hugo gives a very good performance of snatching time and but i don't know how much of that is down to me but i it, it sort of it made me sort of stop and think afterwards if i wanted to do this then I needed to sort of understand more about the craft of acting. So that that was the point where I started taking acting classes at City Lit. I did a number of courses. I started sort of volunteering to sort of for little bit parts in friends' short films. Um, and just, you know, and to my surprise, even though I was terrified of it to begin with, I found I really enjoyed it. And I thought, and I also found that it gave me a real understanding as a writer of of writing for actors of what an actor is looking for in a scene. Because obviously, as a director, you're often looking in a very macro sense as the the whole piece. Whereas the the actor is, you know, even if they're a supporting character, a cameo, the film is about them. Even if they're even if they're only in it for sort of like you know half a scene often they've thought about a whole backstory for their character, the re, you know, what, what their day's been like before they got to this scene, which might not be in the, which probably isn't in the film at all. You know, they, even if their character doesn't even have a name in the script, even if they're like policeman one, you can bet that the actor is sort of said, well, this is the name of my character that they've given themselves a name that their character, you know, almost got thrown out of Hendon because they had a bad experience with drugs. They know that they, they, they know that this character is estranged from their parents, that they, that they, that they're having a bad relationship at the moment, whatever it is, you know, that they, they've picked out certain things and maybe they've only got two lines of dialogue, 
But if that helps them to play that, then great. So it was more, it's just getting into that mindset, being aware that there was, there were different types of sort of ways, uh, uh, different sort of training, uh, you know, in terms of sort of the, you know, Meisner method, the more traditional stage acting, the more naturalistic uh, approach to sort of screen acting, that there were these different, that, you know, it's really helped me, I think, moving on in terms of working with actors and collaborating and um, uh, and just enjoying the process of rehearsal as well. So, yeah. Well, yeah, because um, talking about your latest short, Acceptance, I know that, because I've shot it, <laughs> but I, yeah, you, <laughs> inside yeah, information were, here, <laughs> I was there, man. But I know that you um, rehearsed a lot with the... Uh, the two actresses in it, um, Victoria Johnson and Maria Thomas. And that actually, you made a lot of changes to the script because of those rehearsals. Yeah. It was one of those things where I got this, I got the script to a certain stage and I knew it wasn't finished, but I wanted their, uh, I wanted their input. And um, some of that is just needing to hear the words spoken out loud. And some of it is the fact that I'd written these two characters who are both actresses and obviously I'd cast actresses to play actresses so they would have that certain insider point of view and and they did tell me like no no actress would say this word you know uh, or or, or would put it that way you know so uh, and but that's what I wanted you know I wasn't precious about it you know it was it was going to be a collaboration it was going to be okay like this is the script this is what we're talking about and um we, we we had read-throughs, uh, which then became more of a kind of workshopping it, where I would go away sort of like, you know, and, and rewrite stuff, cut stuff down, send them new pages, and then we would do the same the thing again. And it was also about them building up a rapport together because they'd known each other for a while. But I don't think they really, they hadn't worked together much. So, and I wanted the feeling that they were very comfortable with each other, that, because their characters are in a long-term relationship. So the idea was that this process was actually going to help when we came to the shooting. And also because we, because uh, we had such a limited time shooting, you know, I, I, I couldn't lose half, half the day, um, you know, having discussions about, okay, what's my motivation here? Why I w- I'm not sure I would say this. I wanted those discussions beforehand you know, yeah. and, and I allowed plenty of space. And we played it lots of different ways. It, sometimes they were reading the other characters' lines um, so they could hear it, you know, and just and say, okay, this time I want you to play it as so though you're drunk. You know, just we, we, we or, 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 you know, imagine you've had, you know, you've, you've had some good news before you walked in the door. Just little, just different ways to sort of approach the scene and sort of rethink it, you know, and, uh, a lot of those sort of playing because hey there's a reason why they, why they call people players a lot of that you know a lot of doesn't get used but sometimes you know you uncover something and you're like oh that that moment is really nice actually that moment that you just threw in there is just sort of like a throwaway bit that's quite that's a, that's a nice bit you know so you 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 just you get to discover stuff like that so and maybe uh, and I knew and under the pressure of the time we we were under, because we only had locations for a certain time, that was the only way we could really do it. In the same way that we shot multicam on one of the days, because I knew we had so many pages to cover, and we just would not have done it if we were shooting single cam, which I would have preferred. But yeah, but no, it's it's come out really well. Um, how is it going with acceptance? I know you're t- sending it out to um, festivals and stuff. So um, how is it going on that side of things? Well, it's gone out. It's gone out to a sort of like uh, a first round of festivals. Um, I mean, it's quite an expensive process to send it out to festivals. So I'm having to sort of stagger uh, what, how we're sending stuff out. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I've I've had a sort of some uh, some contacts with with festivals. So, uh, but there's nothing I can announce at the moment. If you see what I mean, okay. but um, yeah, I know you mean. But yeah. uh, but no, it's it's. I, I think it's looking positive, and I think it's, it's certainly a film that has an audience, you know. And um, yeah, I don't read too much into a cast and crew screening, but it was nice that it got uh, a, a very emotional reaction from the 
people we showed it to a lot of whom weren't you know associated with the film so I, I feel I feel like I've you know that it will work with an audience so yeah no that's good I mean it's uh, look, I I don't know about yourself but I I, I like it when <laughs> the cast and crew like the finished film <laughs> that's always a plus isn't it yeah it is yeah because you know they've gone out their way to help you do this and you know it's nice to know that that that's been rewarded yeah i especially if you've had a very challenging post-production and 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 we did but you know that's the story for another day yeah yeah so um so to wrap things up are you currently working on anything um i i'm i'm writing a few bits and pieces so yeah and I will say, if you if you do like the sound of Acceptance, uh, we do have a Facebook page. So just uh, search on Acceptance on Facebook and give us a like and you'll find out about, hopefully, find out about festival screenings that are coming up soon. Brilliant. I'll uh, I'll put that in the, uh, the show notes with the podcast. Great. Thank you. That's all right. Well, thank you for talking to me and uh, sort of sharing some of your career. Uh, thank you for uh, for taking me taking me back into the the the, the dark dark days of, of shooting on VHS and uh, <laughs> and uh, and the forty eight hour film challenge. Uh, happy days. Mm. No, it's all good stuff. But yeah, I've enjoyed chatting with you, Simon. Thank you. That's all right. And uh, how can uh, how can listeners find your work? Okay, uh, they can find my films by uh, going on to vimeo.com and searching for Clive Ashenden and they'll find my page and they can find, at the moment they can find Snatching Time on YouTube by uh, doing a search for that and uh, if they're interested in listening to me, it's my podcast I do with Rob Wickings, the A to Z of SFF, science fiction and fantasy podcast, then you'll find that at the A to Z of SFF.com. And as always, you can find my work at uh, independentrunnings.com. Um, you can also uh, check out our Facebook page at uh, just search Movie Heaven, Movie Hell. Uh, we're on Twitter at Movie Heaven Hell. And uh, yes, we're also on YouTube. Just search for Independent Runnings. So uh, just leaves me to um, to thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. <laughs>